Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Woo! Come on, friends. Let's go. This is what it's all about. Could not be more fired up about not this coming week, but the next, and what we are going to unleash as a church family. Anybody else with me on that? Man, it was such an awesome week last year. We already have over a hundred more of you signed up to help us this year, and we've got a whole nother week to keep signing people up. Again, this is an all-play event, an awesome opportunity for you to meet people, to serve, to get connected. Love, the 50-week is coming, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Hey, if we haven't met before, my name is Jonathan. I'm the lead pastor. Excited to be with you guys today. Excited to open God's word together with you today. And we are in a series right now called The Next 25. In a series called The Next 25. And we are moving towards the 25-year anniversary celebration of our church. And if you weren't around last week or you missed it, we talked a lot about the mission of our church, who we're called to be as salt and light in the world. And, and specifically this verse, Matthew 5, 14, and we're going to keep unpacking this today, when it says, you, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, cannot be hidden. You actually can't hide it. You couldn't hide it if you wanted to. If there's a city on a hill, there's no way to hide the light of that city. And we talked about this, this big moment in the history of our church where we're transitioning our name from Roll Hill or Rolling Hills Church to just Hills Church, to be an embodiment of the mission of who we are, that we truly are called to be a city on a hill that can be found by anyone, that anybody who has any inkling of a desire for God can look and go, there's something shining over there. I'm not sure what it's all about, but it's bright. It's really bright. I'm going to go check it out. And friends, that's who we're going to be in the days ahead. This idea of the next 25, and we had an amazing video moment with Pastor Jeff, who is the founding pastor, and he had this great illustration that I just loved. He said, you know, it's kind of like the Wheaties box. The content of the Wheaties hasn't changed for 20 years, but the cover of the box is constantly changing. And we as a church are having to constantly think, what does it look like for us to reach this culture, this generation with the good news of the gospel? What does it look like for us in a post-Christian America, which we're all living in now, we are not living in a predominantly quote-unquote Christian nation. What does it look like for us when our neighbors are not waking up on Sunday morning and saying, man... Something's missing from my life. I should go to church and find it. Most people in our culture aren't thinking, man, Jesus or church is where I go to find the peace or the joy or the healing that I'm looking for. So we are called to be a city on a hill where they can say, I think there's some joy over there. I think there's some purpose, some identity, some peace. There is a bright shining light over there that we need. And so friends, it's on us to become the church to be that over the next 25 years and into the days ahead. And I, I was thinking about this idea of a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, can't hide it if you want to. 
And uh, you know something else that cannot be hidden? A two-year-old playing hide-and-go-seek just struck me. I went back to my early days of fatherhood as I was thinking through this passage. And if you have little kids, or maybe your kids are older, you'll probably remember this, but when they first kind of figured out what hide-and-seek was or the first time you played it with them, especially when they're in that toddler range, I had two that were kind of in that stage at the same time. They got so into that game. They loved that game. Dad, let's play hide-and-go-seek, hide-and-go-seek. All right, all right, all right, fine, fine. So, you know, they, they get you up or they get you from whatever you're doing. And Lily Hope specifically, she'd be like, Dad, put your face against the wall. Face against the wall and count to 10. I mean, she can barely talk. It's so adorable. You know, she's a tiny little thing. And I'm like, all right, all right, here we go, here we go. One, two, and immediately she just starts squealing. Ah! And running all over the house. And I can hear everywhere she is. And then she comes back into the room with Sawyer and she's like, Sawyer, shh, he's right there. He might hear us. And I'm like counting to 10 for the fourth time. I'm like, I'm about to open my eyes, seven, eight. And they're like, oh my gosh, now we really have to hide. And so she would like grab a blanket and throw it over her head and just lay on the floor. And Sawyer would just jump on the couch and pull like a pillow over his head that didn't even cover his body. And there was this idea in their mind that was like, okay, as long as I can't see him, he can't see me. That's how this works in their little toddler brain. And so I'd turn around and Lily Hope's like under the blanket on the floor right there. Sawyer's on the couch with a pillow, his legs sticking out. And they're just like trying so hard not to laugh. They're just stifling their little giggles. They're just going nuts. I'm like, where are Lily Hope and Sawyer? And they're like, Sawyer, where could they be? I'll check in the kitchen. The moment I leave the room, we haven't even been playing for like 15 seconds. The moment I leave the room, they're like, dad, we're not in the kitchen. I'm like, I'll go check the bedroom. I'm in the bedroom and they're like, we can't take it anymore. They just like throw off the, the blanket or the pillow. They're like, dad, can't believe you didn't find us. We were on the couch and I was under the blanket. And I say, oh my gosh, let's go play again. You guys are so good at this game. <laughs> Anybody, any parents have that memory? Just the early days of childhood and, and raising young kids. But what struck, there's a few things that struck me about it. Number one, you cannot hide a two-year-old. Can't hide them. They don't, they don't want to be hidden. They want to be found. There's nothing that I could do to keep them from my sight in that moment and in that game. They, they wanted to be discovered by their dad, by their father. And friends, what struck me as I was thinking about this idea where Jesus calls us to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The question that hit me was simply this. Man, is the life of Christ inside of me? Is it visible? Is it obvious? Is it as obvious as a two-year-old on the floor with a blanket over their head? Is it as obvious as a little boy on a couch just covering his face with a pillow, but the reality is easy to see? Is the life of Christ, the light of Christ inside of me, is it visible through me? 
Am I the light of the world? Am I somebody with something going on inside of me in terms of the Holy Spirit and the healing of God and the path that Jesus has me on where people see it and they go, man, he just can't hide that about himself. There's a lot of things we probably want to hide about ourselves. Don't say amen too loud. We've all got parts of our lives that are like, God, I hope no one finds out about that. Jesus sees it. He knows. He's walking with you. He's in it with you. But there is a huge part of your life, despite all of your mess and all of your brokenness and all of your junk, that Jesus goes, look, it can't be hidden. It's got to get out. And, and maybe it's a service project one week a year, but I suspect it's something so much more than that. And, and I, I love that we as a church are making a statement a statement to our community that we are for you, that we're in your corner. We, we love you. We want to be a, a, a picture of God's pursuit of the 50 corridor. And every time I walk by that amazing, you got to see it in the connection point, but all those pins represent projects that people have already signed up for. Already 350 of you have signed up for projects. Amazing. All up and down the 50 corridor. And it's a reminder to me that, oh, right there, there's going to be a group of people that know that God is for them through our church. Right there on that red pen, there's going to be a group of people that feel God pursuing them through you. But we know this, it's more than one week a year. And we as a church, we do stuff all year long, all year long. But truly, becoming a city on a hill, the light of the world, is about following the way of Jesus. It's about a lifestyle. That's why the early Christians were known as followers of the way. Followers of the way. And as I think about the next 25 years for our church, you know what's going to cause this church to thrive and to reach the community and to grow and for more and more people to find the hope of Christ here? It's not more good sermons it's not more good songs. Those are important. I love a worship culture. I love unpacking God's word together. But friends, it's you and me walking in the way of Jesus every day, wherever we are, becoming salt and light in the world. It's about us becoming a people that cannot be hidden involved in the culture, involved in the world, working our jobs, going to school, being in our families, but also being distinctive in the world, but something clearly different is happening inside of us. Something clearly distinctive and visible is happening inside of us. We arrive in the Gospel of Matthew at Matthew chapter 5. This is an incredible passage. It's the beginning of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest sermon that Jesus preached. Longest sermon that he preached. And it's incredible because it says that multitudes, Matthew 5 verse 1, seeing the crowds of people, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came near to him. He opened his mouth and he began to teach them. But there's an amazing buildup to this moment. Why would crowds show up to hear Jesus? This unknown carpenter, son of a carpenter from Nazareth. He wasn't a rabbi with a following. 
He wasn't a political figure. But I, I want to commend, I want to give a little bit of the build up to this moment. And I want to commend to you guys a show. I'm sure many of you have already seen it. You can download the app for free. It's called The Chosen. Anyone seen The Chosen yet? Let me hear you. If you've seen it, you know. It's amazing. Download the app. You can stream it for free. It's called The Chosen. Uh, do it right now, like in the middle of my sermon. Just go to the app store, go to The Chosen. It will wreck you, absolutely wreck you in the best possible way because even for my kids, we've been watching it as a family, it is putting, it is putting flesh onto the story of the gospels in a way that's like, this relates to me. Amazing, right? And the way that they portray the miracles of Jesus, we've heard about the miracles of Jesus. We've heard about Jesus delivering Mary Magdalene. We've heard about the moment when he turned water to wine, but they give you some of the backstory and they make it personal with other characters. And I'm watching, I'll never forget, I'm watching this moment where the, the first time the disciples encounter a leper and they're with Jesus. And this, this leprous man had heard about the miracle in Cana. We read about this in Luke. And he said, man, there's a miracle worker wandering the countrysides, living in tents. I got to find this guy. Maybe he can fix me. Maybe he can heal me. And so the disciples and Jesus were walking to the next town one day and out of the woods off to the sides comes a leprous man. And my children see this man who has leprosy and they're like, dad, what's, what's wrong with him? And the disciples see this man and they, they have a different reaction. It's like, Jesus, get behind us. They, they start to pull out swords and sticks. Stay away. Don't breathe him. Don't, don't get near his air. Go away, leprous man. And there's this moment where Jesus just says, everyone behind me. And you begin to feel the weight of what he's about to do in real time living color. And he begins to walk towards this man to the horror of his disciples and everybody around him. And this man is weeping and he goes, I heard I heard about this miracle you did in Cana and something deep down inside of me says, if you can make me whole, if you're willing, you can make me whole. And you see Jesus's eyes fill with compassion. He goes, I am willing. And he touches him. People begin to gasp and he goes, be clean. And you see the leprosy begin to leave his skin, his body. He jumps up rejoicing. Peter, who was about to like attack the guy, Jesus goes, can anyone give him a tunic? Peter's like, here, take mine. They're all like, take my tunic, you know, my gosh. But my kids and myself were watching it, brought it to life. And word began to spread. An Ethiopian woman saw the miracle of the leper getting healed and she ran to her paralytic friend. And Jesus is teaching at Zebedee's house and they can't get through the crowds. And we remember how the story goes. So they break a hole in the roof. And they lower this guy through. And Jesus is sitting here looking at him and he sees the faith of the friends and the Ethiopian woman and the Pharisees are at the door. And he goes, what's easier to say to this guy? Get up and walk or your sins are forgiven. He's stirring the pot. The Pharisees know, they yell, nobody can forgive sins except God alone. No one has authority on earth to say what you said about forgiving sins, and who cares anyway? You can't make a paralyzed man walk. And Jesus says, so you know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, pick up your mat and walk. 
And he does. And word spreads. He heals demoniacs. He heals all manner of people. He, 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 he goes into every moment, every situation, and you see God's heart. God's heart to restore, to bring wholeness, to proclaim forgiveness. He calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath, making himself equal with God. He traveled to Samaria, the greatest racial divide in that day. He went to Syria, all the way to the north, all throughout Galilee. And he stays in the background, but he is the physical expression of God, healing every ailment that comes his way. The light of the world, and he's dropping little pieces of his teaching and his kingdom along the way. And so when news begins to get out that, hey, this guy, this Jesus of Nazareth, he's about to like download the whole thing. He's about to really unveil what his kingdom is about. Thousands of people are gonna be there. It says this, it's amazing. When you read the backstory from Matthew 4, verse 24 on, it says, his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them all. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, <coughs> from Judea, from beyond the Jordan. People are coming from hundreds of miles away just to get a glimpse, just to hear the words coming out of his mouth. He's the light of the world. That's what John 8, 12 says. He's the light of the world. We gotta hear what he's saying. In him is the life of men. <clears throat> and so in this moment, thousands come to this sermon, the greatest sermon that Jesus have ever preached. And here's how he opens it, his opening line. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, that means happy, joyful are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek or the humble for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they shall be satisfied blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I think at one level, everyone was a little bit confused. The Jewish followers of Jesus, Jesus at, at that moment are saying, wait a second, Jesus, this isn't a political manifesto. This isn't a call to arms to overthrow Rome. Sounds like you're asking us to be like peacemakers and humble and pure of heart. This sounds like a way of life. This sounds like something completely other than what we were looking for. This sounds like humility. You even said, blessed are those who are persecuted, Jesus. And Jesus is, is laying out a roadmap to the kingdom of heaven, saying it's completely other than this world. And I need my followers, if they're going to be salt and light, to embrace this in every sphere of their life. Humility, peacemaking, purity of heart, all of these characteristics, the culture of his kingdom. He goes, that's how you're gonna shine. That's how you're gonna be salt in a world that is flavorless. That's what it's gonna look like. It's a way of life. And friends, as we head into the next 25, the mandate, the call on our church is not just 
corporate for us to serve this community, but individual so that you would begin to daily embrace the way of Jesus. Daily walk the path when he said, come, follow me. It's a way of life. It's a way we choose to live. It's the way of Christ. And he goes on, he goes, if you live this way, in essence, that's why he goes directly into verse 13. If you embody this as my followers and and represent my kingdom here on earth, here's what it says. You then are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Woo! Jesus is like, hey, your call as a follower, as a disciple is to be distinctive. Friends, we know when salt is on something, don't we? Praise God for bacon. Imagine bacon with no saltiness. Man, get rid of that. Imagine french fries without salt. Oh, just bland potatoes. I thought about it because, you know, as so many of us coming through COVID, we've, uh, we've experienced what it feels like to lose taste. We've experienced this, this reality of tastelessness. And Jesus is saying, hey, if the salt loses its taste, it's not really good for anything anymore. It's worthless. And I thought about it because I remember for me, when it happened about a month ago, day three or four, I was craving, friends, deeply emotionally, like probably too deep of an emotional attachment, I was craving pad thai and specifically Tom Kha soup. Anyone with me in this room, the coconut soup, pad thai, let's go, I got one. Blow your mind, change your life. Tom Kha soup from uh, Shameless Plug, the Thai place right down there in EDH, delicious. But you know when you're sick, you, you got a fever, you're feeling bad, you're like, man, I just need some good soup. Come on, somebody. I know it's Sunday morning, but you know what I mean. I need some good soup. So I door dashed it and had the guy drop it at my front door. And I went and, and normally, I mean, it has an aroma. I could smell it like right as I brought it in the house. And I noticed I brought it in. I was like, normally I can smell this. I don't smell it right now. Wasn't even like, hadn't crossed my mind yet. I opened it up, I poured it into a bowl, I went over to the couch, I'm like feeling awful, and I I hold the bowl up and I'm like, what is going on? I can't smell a thing. And I get a spoonful of it. I'm just ready for that just soothing flavor of this soup to just hit my mouth. And I, I take a bite, nothing, not even like a little bit, like not even a little bit. I was like, oh, devastating. It's probably one of the most depressing, disorienting things ever because food brings comfort. Food soothes you, the flavor of it makes things better. And it's like, oh, in this moment, I just want the taste of Tom Kha's soup and I can't even have it. COVID's taken away too much. It can't take Tom Kha's soup. And it did. And I thought about, I was like, man, people are facing so much in these days. Our minds are under duress. We know too much about too many horrible things in the world. We feel afflicted. We emotionally feel afflicted or conflicted over the ideologies that are getting pushed on us every day through the news. Produces a low level of angst in our souls all the time. 
Why can't we solve the world's biggest problems with all of our technology and money and resources? Why can't humans seem to fix things or work together? In fact, why do we most often run the off direction from one another? Instead of fixing things, we make things worse. We start fights on social media. We riot. We use violence. So much negative information coming our way from every direction. What are we all facing today? The prayer requests that we get every single week at this church, cancer, divorce, mental health, struggles with kids, struggles with jobs, all these different things. And Jesus goes, hey, you're called to be salt and light. You're called to actually discern what people need in the different moments of hardship that they're facing and provide for that need in a way that is soothing and comforting. Salt not only preserves things, not only does it preserve things, but it also brings out the flavor of whatever it's on. It makes it taste better. You're called to give people actually a better experience of life through the way of Jesus. You're called to give people a better experience of life through the way of Jesus. Yes, what I'm saying is become Tom Koss soup. Okay, that fell flat. I thought it was so funny in my head. Didn't work. But think about this too. There's a community aspect to this. There's a community aspect. This is why he goes from individual, like here's how you find happiness. Blessed are you if you go to humility, if you make peace, if you pursue purity of heart, you're gonna find joy. But there's a community as aspect to this where if a whole community does this together, a whole community says, I'm gonna serve the 50 corridor. I'm gonna live in community. I'm gonna live in humility. I'm gonna learn to love one another. If a whole community does this together, it has such a massive impact. I thought about it. If I gave you some, some French fries with no salt on them, and you said, okay, I'm gonna get one grain of salt and put it on the French fries. That'll fix my problem. You're not even gonna know it's there. A pinch of salt has roughly, I Googled it, a thousand grains of salt in it. Even a pinch probably wouldn't do it. You need a salt shaker, right? You need a salt shaker and you gotta shake that thing up and you gotta get a few good shakes all over that before it has coverage of salt. An average salt shaker has about, check this, 100,000 grains of salt. 100,000 grains of salt in an average salt shaker. What Jesus is saying is this, salt, in order to take its effect, needs other grains of salt with it. It needs to be with a lot of other grains of salt for it to have any effect at all, for you to even taste it. You can't even taste one grain of salt in, on a french fry. It still tastes like a potato. You need a lot. And the only way to get salt out of a salt shaker, come on somebody, is to shake things up a little bit. God is not concerned about shaking things up a little bit because he wants what's inside of you to come out and he's going to step into your world and say, hey, I love you, but I didn't just design you to be comfortable all the time. I designed you to bring flavor to those in need. To, to meet the needs of people with real needs all around us. And I know we all have needs. Many of you in this room are like, I, I just need the healing first, Jesus. I'm the guy that needs to get lowered through the roof right now. I, I'm the paralytic who said, Lord, or I'm the leper who said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And he says, I'm willing. Yes, the healing starts with you. 
starts with me. It starts with us following the way of Jesus and finding wholeness. But on that journey, on our journey towards wholeness and healing, we can share with others the goodness of the grace of God. We can be salt and light in those moments. Friends, the same is true for light. Jesus goes on in verse 14. We've already read it. You're the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. They may see the way of life that you're living. They may see your good deeds and your service and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I thought about this idea of a city on a hill. Again, it can't be hidden. And I thought about this, this photo. I'm sure we've all seen something like this, but when you look at Earth from outer space, it looks something like this. It's a long way away. And what you're seeing here, we all know this, are cities, is gatherings of people in the same location. If there was just one streetlight in America, we wouldn't see it. If there was in any of those cities where you see a, a bright clumping of light, it's because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of lights, house lights, street lights, car lights, the power grid connected, thousands and thousands of people living together in a city. And Jesus goes, look, I'm gonna make you a city. You're gonna be a city. I'm gonna put the light of life inside of you and you're all gonna do this thing called following the way of Jesus together. And when you do it together and you live on mission, woo, watch out world, they're gonna see you from space. It won't be hidden. It can't be hidden. When people who are saved by grace embrace the way of grace and the way of Jesus there is a light that begins to shine that cannot be hidden. Amen, somebody. There is a light that begins to shine, and it's a collective light of a whole community that draws the attention of the watching world. It's a collective light of a whole community that draws the attention of a watching world. That's why we do major big pushes like Love the 50 Week, we actually want people to see us doing good works so they will glorify our Father in heaven, just like Jesus asked us to do. We want them to see us living this thing out as an introduction to who we are and who our God is, because our God is a God who serves. Jesus Christ did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, for all. So we serve. We point to our heavenly Father like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Friends, a city on a hill, and the band can come out with this, represents a community of disciples, men and women, young and old, choosing to live life in a distinct way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know they need God. Those who, who come to God, not with arrogance, but with a desperation for him, a poorness in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn because they know this life is not the way it was meant to be, that God has something better. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble. They shall inherit the earth. What a surprise that's gonna be. 
on that day when God comes back and judges the intentions of men's hearts and he says, man, the humble are now in charge. Woo, I cannot wait for that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness means looking to Jesus and receiving the righteousness that comes by faith. Jesus goes, I'll fill you. I'll satisfy you. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, those that say, hey, I still think sin is sin. I still think sin is out to kill me according to God's word. Therefore, I'm gonna fight against my sin. I'm gonna get accountability. I'm gonna begin to walk in purity of heart. And what's the promise? You shall see God. You'll see him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Friends, a city on a hill, Hills Church represents a community of disciples who are choosing to live in a distinct way, the way of Jesus. Not legalistic or heavy handed, but with joy because they have found a grace that makes them whole and causes them to live radically different from the world around them. This light shines brighter and brighter and impacts everything around it. It cannot be hidden. Friends, we're all drawing attention to something. All of us live our lives in a way that draws attention, that shines a light on something. We all, raises our, we all raise our voices about different things, different causes, different issues. We're all using our light to, to shine lights on certain things that we feel passionate about. But my question to you is this, what is your life shining a light on right now? Because Jesus is saying, if it's not the way of Jesus, if it's not the way of healing and hope in a dark world, then maybe your light is useless right now. It's not helping the cause of the kingdom. Maybe you're shining it on the wrong thing in the wrong direction. And I think in a season like this where we've been in a year of such division where people are raising their voice about everything, can we just be a people that live the way of Jesus? Can we be a people that choose to live the way of Jesus? Do everything it says in Philippians 2:14 without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of darkness. Shining like lights in a world full of darkness. Friends, you are the light of the world. Feels like a big deal. Feels like a big deal because John 1 says it like this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. That's Jesus. So right there in the beginning, Jesus was there in Genesis 1, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus created it all. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Friends, all of us, if we're being honest, in more ways than one, we are like little children longing to be found by our God. We're like little kids who just pulled the blanket over our head. Maybe we're laying on the floor. And we, 
even the people of this world that, that don't, they don't even know it. There's a part of them that is shouting out, Dad, I'm in here. Dad, I'm not in the kitchen. I'm not in the living room. I'm in here. Even if they don't know it, there's a part of them that is longing for a father to find them. And there's a part of them that's running after all these different things, thinking they're running after him, not even realizing that they're running after him. They're running after all the stuff that this world has to offer, trying to fill a gap that only a father, a heavenly father can fill. So they're in pursuit, trying to fill a gap that only God can fill, and they don't even know it, and they want to be found. And our calling is to light up the way to where he is. So where he is cannot be hidden like a city on a hill. And as they run after all these dead ends and broken roads and broken cisterns and rock bottom moments, eventually, Lord willing, they'll see that they already are found. And there's a found group of people over there at Hills Church that wanna help them get found too. Because there's a father in heaven that's chasing after them. Luke 19, 10. I came to seek and to save the lost. The mission statement of Jesus, I'm pursuing the lost. And so are we. City on a hill cannot be hidden. This is who we are. And friends, if you haven't signed up yet, if you are around and in town, please, there are so many different opportunities for us to serve and to be the light on the hill. Don't leave today without signing up all sorts of projects for the whole family, opportunities for us to impact thousands of lives up and down the 50 corridor. And as we head into the next 25, the next 25 years, the simple call is this, begin to follow the way of Jesus. And a great starting point is dive into Matthew 5, begin to meditate on those beatitudes and ask how, how do I live this thing out in every area of my life? We're gonna close our time now with communion. The healing that you're called to bring begins with you. And your healing begins with the gospel. Begins with the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life for you. His body was broken for you, his blood was spilled for you so that you could be found and he could bring you all the way home to the father you long for. So Lord, right now we ask in this moment for anyone who needs to be found that they would turn to you in faith. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice and the way that you've loved us. Lord, let us be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take communion. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.